Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Geek Buddies. We are outside. Do not adjust your uh, earphones or whatever you're listening to us on. We are outside of the Arclight right now in the outdoor bar because we just came out of seeing a screening of Aladdin. By the time you hear this, the embargo will be up, so we're okay to talk about it. But we're going to save that to the end of the episode, and we're not going to ruin it. It's not going to be a spoiler review at the end of the episode. It'll be a non-spoiler review. We'll talk about it a little bit. And then Shannon uh, has a little bit of a uh, game for us to play. So without further ado, let's introduce ourselves. Uh, I am John Roke. I am a host writer. Uh, and producer over at Collider and uh, co-host of a number of other podcasts like The Cinephiles and The Top Ten. Um, whoever wants to take it next? Uh, I am Michael Vogel. I am a writer and producer of animated TV shows and film. And I think we should do all of our Geek Buddies recordings at bars because I am also <laughs> enjoying a lovely Tito's Martini with a twist right now. That's fair. And my name is Shannon McClung. I am an animation writer and actor here in Los Angeles. I'm trying to give different credits every time. I like it. You, you might have seen me on uh, the first season of Blackish or My Name is Earl or the first season of The Orville where I was buried in prosthetics and then they put a digital effect on top of my face on top of that. So oh, you wouldn't have re- you've ever looked. You yes. wouldn't have recognized me from the makeup and they made sure <laughs> that you weren't gonna see, recognize me past that. You should say you may not recognize me yeah, from the yeah, that's really. true. <laughs> you should put that. Well no, John said John said when he watched that episode that he could tell it was me from my my hand motions. Yeah. And the expressions on his face beyond beyond I when you know someone's face, you know someone's face. Through can, the digital effect. Through the digital effect and the like, pounds of makeup. You can say, I've seen that smirk before. I've seen them those lips do that before. Also, Shannon has been in Modern Family. Maybe you remember the high school football episode where uh, Eric Stone Street is the coach 
Shannon played the little referee. I mean, the uh, referee. The average sized referee. The average size. I'm sorry. The average size. <laughs> he's a tall guy. I look little next to him. <laughs> he is, he <laughs> he's is a, a big tall guy. guy. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this week on the Geek Buddies, I hope you enjoyed our Game of Thrones episode. A lot of good uh, responses from people who listened to that. We dropped it last Tuesday. If you haven't heard, or this past Tuesday, if you haven't heard our uh, breakdown of the series finale and the series as a whole with our special guest, Michael Robertson, uh, who works at Disney. He's a massive Game of Thrones fan. He's and- a, he is a Westeros encyclopedia he really is he's a westerosopedia um please download that episode and listen to it let us know what you think but this episode uh we want to jump in now normally we do geek news where each person presents a story but we kind of want to jump into something more unusual and that is uh talking about batman the batman what's that I was going to say, Batman's not that unusual. Well, I mean, more... Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Well, I mean, uh, that we're not doing separate geek news. I mean, we're just going to jump into this Let's just conversation. Get in it. Let's just get in it. Let's just wait on in to the water at the bottom of the Batcave. The Batman. The Batman. Allegedly. Bat- Allegedly. Uh, so Battinson is what they're starting to call him now. That's a good one. That's Pattinson. terrible. Battinson's better than Batman, although I would give you credit for Batman. That was yeah? nice. I heard Arbats the other day, and I don't. I want to go home when I Oof. hear nah. Arbats is no good, isn't nah. it? Nah, because I thought Batfleck was pretty good. Oh, Batfleck was good. Batfleck's a good one, but Bat- Battinson? Battinson. Battinson's all right. Batfleck made it to a t-shirt. It was that good. Oh, Batfleck. Did they do that with Bale? There was never a Christian Balenson or Baleman. No, because he's very serious. He, he's he rattled their cages. <laughs> no t-shirts for me, where are, they, cage. where are they drugs? That's my favorite. <laughs> Pete Holmes doing that stuff. But uh, uh, yeah, so yes. we're going to get into some casting news today. Yeah. Uh, I think let's, Break it down, Mike. Well, I just, I, I just want to talk about people's uh, reactions to casting in comic book movies. Well, are you going to jump there instead of, instead, of, what, instead of talking about the casting, or the probable casting? Well, I, I think the whole thing is... Well, how do we feel? How, let's just start with this. How do the three of us feel about this casting? I guess before we talk about everyone yeah, else's yeah, reaction, yeah. what do you guys think about uh, Pattinson? I, I and we, should, seen... we should say this before Shannon starts. We should say this. This was a, a variety uh, news uh, report saying that Pattinson was the choice. Uh, it, he has not signed a contract, so we can't say for sure as of this recording. Uh, but our sources at Collider, Jeff Snyder being one of them, thinks it's a done deal. Even though Nicholas Holt's people are floating out this idea that he is still in the running for it. So, go ahead, Shane. So, I have only seen two movies that Robert Pattinson has been in. Oh. I saw the first Twilight, which I was not a big fan of, and it's not necessarily that he was he's what made that movie bad. I just wasn't into it. Was it a date? Uh, was it, a, it? Yeah, it was, uh, it was on DVD. Okay. It was, it was at a, a gal's house. That's the only one. Uh, Accept um, that answer. But then the second one was The Lost City of Z. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, you know, he didn't stand out as particularly bad at all. I didn't really enjoy that movie, okay. but he didn't. he's never stood out as bad. The thing that I wonder about his casting is typically in interviews, he, he comes off not argumentative, but he comes off a little disinterested um, in the okay. whole press process. And if you're playing Batman, you're going to be doing a lot of press. So we had talked about this before, about mm-hmm. do you want to hitch your franchise wagon to such an unstable horse? Really important question, though. Could anybody look more uninterested in an interview than Ben Affleck did in his Batman interviews? Well, certainly his BVS interview. I mean... Would you call that disinterested? I would call that morose. Well, ooh, I mean, morose. he was... I'm just saying, it's like, it's all up from there. It's all uphill from there. You motherfuckers <laughs> trying to win word with friends over here. Morose. That's a $10 word. Um, yeah, go ahead, Mike. I have a confession to make. Oh. I 
I was a twihard. Oh, wow. I, I read I read those books. I was obsessed with those books. I got really into it for a while. Glittery vampires were my jam. So I saw Twilight on opening night, and I was excited to be there. I, I don't think those are good movies. I don't think they did justice to the books that I have now since realized are not as great as I thought they were. Right. And this confession is for the listeners. This is not a confession to me and John. We were very I'm just saying. I I fell hard for sparkly vampires and werewolf love triangles. But um, which was first? Fifty Shades of Grey or Twilight? Twilight. Twilight. So so Fifty Shades was fan fiction off of Twilight. Yes. Wow. Uh, so, So all of that being said. Yeah. Based on what Robert Pattinson did in Twilight, as much as I was into it at the time, I would not necessarily be excited. But he's done a lot since then. He has. He's actually a really interesting actor, and I think he's a really interesting choice for Batman. I, I think that I, I I think I said this before, uh, not maybe not on Geek Buddies, but somewhere I was kind of having Batman casting malaise. I mm-hmm. mean, you sort of reach a point where we've gone through so many Batman that yeah. you're like, who's going to be the next Batman? And you're like, I don't care at this point. I just don't <laughs> care. And it's such a different choice. It's yeah. such an interesting sort of veer in a different direction that I'm kind of interested. Like, I'm I'm kind yeah. of intrigued by the entire whatever this this version of Batman is going to be. I'm intrigued by it. And that's more than I can say about a lot of how I feel about a lot of DC stuff. I think I have to say that I agree with you. Uh, having seen the Rover and that Cronenberg uh, uh, film he did, uh, Metropolis, or some weird name to the film, uh, I was surprised by the work that he did in those movies. Because just like you, I had seen him only in Potter or in Twilight in the trailers. I never saw any of those movies. Also, Cedric Diggory can do anything. Certainly, except and he, wa- and he was very good. Except live Diggory. through a Voldemort uh, confrontation. But well, yeah, there you go, my boy. He didn't. He didn't have his batarangs then. He did not. Have Would his have changed things. But he doesn't necessarily have his batarangs yet. So uh, yeah, true, true. But I would argue that he could be the best looking Bruce Wayne we've ever had, because you have what Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, uh, Ben Affleck. But Pattinson has a certain kind of edge to him and grittiness to him in the independent scene that I think is interesting to explore. And Shannon, you bring up something earlier, the idea of him not being him being a bit press averse. This is a dangerous thing because you do want your Batman to be out there promoting the film. But maybe Matt Reeves is going to take the lead on that since it's his trilogy, really, and kind of step in front of Robert for that kind of stuff. But, we, th- you know, Joaquin's not going to be doing a lot of press for Joker either. So Yeah, but Joker is not going to be released at the same level as Batman. Yeah, Batman's true. coming Very out true. as a summer tentpole film. The Joker's coming out almost as sort of an experimental yeah. experimental indie film. We'll see if this... We'll see if this uh, effort works. Maybe yeah. if it does, we continue to do these sort of uh, Elseworlds-type films. You breathed in. That means you wanted to say... No, that. I'm just thinking... I mean, I just think that and again, this gets to what I was saying earlier yeah. about people sort of jumping the gun on things. But this isn't my Batman. How dare you cast sure, this sure. glittery vampire as Batman? It's like we've gone through so many iterations of Batman that it's like the best thing that w- could come out of this Batman movie is something completely different than we've seen before. Yeah. So almost the fact that he is so against type in so many fans' minds mm-hmm. honestly kind of reads as a plus to me. Yeah. And when we did our review on, or we did our conversation about it on Collider, I said. On Friday, I said, um, 
don't come talk to me unless you've seen his film since Twilight. But that's not really realistic, is it? Those films are independent films that not a lot of people went to see. So you kind of have to deal with that elephant in the room that most people only know him from Twilight. So the PR department at WB has their hands full. But you know what I would say trying to, that? to convince me. Yeah, and I, I mean, look, uh, to be fair, because I've seen him in a handful of things, but it's yeah. not like I've been tracking Robert Pattinson's career <laughs> since Twilight. But it's like, look, he made no bones about the fact that he did not like those movies. Yes, true. I Very mean, true. if you watch, I actually went and uh, pulled up a YouTube clip reel of his interviews. Yeah. about Twilight and boy he really did not like being in that movie Yeah, and it's like I feel like it's whether or not you've seen the movies let's, let's, think, let's give the guy some credit he got cast in the most ridiculous teen glitter vampire franchise of all time Yeah, and was catapulted into a ridiculous level of fame, fame and fandom and everything else yeah. and rather than using that to go be in a bunch of giant blockbuster films to try and further his career he was like sure. I just did this I'm going to go do a bunch of indie films that nobody's going to watch that are super weird and out there and just practice my craft. And it's like, isn't that the kind of guy we would like to see in a superhero film? Not somebody who's been building his career strategically by being in all the summer tentpole films and then gotten to here. Like, yeah. it's an interesting choice. And yeah. by the time the first, now correct me if I'm wrong here with the timeline, uh, by the time the first Twilight movie was filming, mm-hmm. those books had not exploded the way that they ended up doing, right? Uh, I mean, they, they I may have know. been on uh, those, the rise. Those books exploded. I would pretty know. like in my mind. In my mind, there was just a glitter bomb one day, and then everybody <laughs> was obsessed with Twilight. So I can't, I can't quite recall. It's well, a little hazy. Well, and not everybody was obsessed. with <laughs> hey, Twilight. Let's be real. Listen, there was a lot of people that would tell you whether they were Team Edward or Team Jacob. That's all I'm saying. People, people had opinions. It's true. That's true. It, it was a certain. You don't create a franchise off of something that people weren't buying. So that's a valid point. the The concern comes though with <laughs> concern comes from this car alarm that's going off <laughs> well, in the background. Can you There's hear that? Going yeah, on in the ArcLight garage. That's part of being outside, guys. It's live, live podcasting. Live. It's very exciting. <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. We'll do it live. Um, you you look at the situation here, and I I think it's fascinating too because Matt wanted a young actor, and so you want to, he wanted to veer towards twenty five to thirty three. You want someone that can do the trilogy. Um, and so it's an interesting choice. And once he signs, then we can really start having these think pieces about whether he's the right choice or not. Because well, it's, it's down to him and, and Nicholas Holt, right? Like, right, it's down to him and Nicholas Holt, basically. And they're saying Army Hammer still, but that's really just a full, uh, like an afterthought, which I which sucks because I think Army Hammer would have been interesting as Batman. Uh, do you even think he would have been a good Bruce Wayne? Really, I, I, I think he would be. He's a good looking dude, tall. Uh, I think posing. Army Hammer is a lot of things. Interesting is not one of them. Oh, Wow. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, people didn't go see Man from Shield or whatever it was, and Man from Uncle, Man from Uncle, sorry, and Guy Ritchie directed that. Ironically, we just got out of a Guy Ritchie film, and um, not a lot of people would see it. And this was Henry Cavill, uh, Army Hammer, and Alicia Vikander, and it was a good movie, and it was a good movie, but people didn't go, and so you've got that. He's has he has a he has a good looking. Um, stature, but in Sorry to Bother You, he's certainly very interesting in Sorry to Bother You. I'm just saying that to me, it's what I was saying before about uh, Robert Pattinson, if he ends up being the choice, is that Army Hammer as Batman to me is like, uh, okay. It's a standard choice. It's like, yeah, you're okay, yeah. It's not an exciting choice. You've got the chin, you've got the body, you've got the build, let's put you in a suit. Yeah, you look like a superhero. It's not interesting, Mm -hmm. and it's like, if Batman is going to survive after this, Batman's got to be interesting. Yeah. Now, am I the only one, and granted, I'm, I'm a shorter fellow, and Army Hammer is a giant, and he's very handsome. Am I the only one that think Army Hammer looks a little bit like a doof? 
A doof? A doof. I think I he, he looks a little like a doofus. I don't That's why, I mean, him playing Shazam, him playing Captain Marvel, I'm like, yeah, I could see that. Oh, I, I could see him playing a that. giant man-child. I would have absolutely been down for that. That I could have seen. But, but, He's got but, comedic chops, though. He does have comedic chops. Because we want Batman to be hilarious. Well, <laughs> fair point. Fair point. <laughs> He's a good joke. So that's what that feels like. Um, but you, So now we look at this possibility. The idea of him being too thin or whatever, like that, that'll be take care of itself in the gym. That's not a problem. He'll put on weight. He's of that age now. 30 or 31, something like that, where weight can come on if it needs to come on, and it doesn't take an extreme amount of effort to do that. So they'll they'll figure things out, for God's sake. Now, sakes. between Pattinson and Nicholas Holt, who do you guys prefer? Oh, Pattinson, absolutely. I think Pattinson. Yeah, I would I agree. Really, Nicholas is a nice choice. It's a nice I, I look, choice. I think he's a great actor. I think I actually think Nicholas Holt's great. Sure. Loved him since About a Boy. Like I, I think he's really good. Um, he's too soft to me. I just think that Robert Pattinson... Facially. You know, it's kind of funny, Shannon, like what you were just saying a little bit ago about him maybe not being the best guy mm. to be the one in the interviews. I'm like, well, yeah, you know who else is horrible in interviews? Batman. <laughs> there's actually a... What do you want? It's in... Um, <laughs> there's, a, there, there's a comic book series right now going on in D.C. where uh, Wonder Woman and Superman are giving a press conference yeah. and Batman is talking to Batgirl and he's like, there's the press conference and she's like... Aren't you supposed to kind of be there too? It's kind of like the Trinity. It's like you, Superman, Wonder Woman. He's like Batman doesn't do press conferences. Does he refer to himself in the third person? Like I that? mean, he probably does. I usually think of Batman referring himself in the third person. I would really like it if, for the press of this, Pattinson does does the interviews in the cowl, and he refers yes. to himself. I mean, oh yeah, I'm in. <laughs> that sounds be, awesome. Oh my god, that'd be meta as hell. So let me ask you guys, but what do you guys yeah. think about sort of um, the reaction? To Robert Pattinson being cast as Batman. Well, this is a good question. You you were uh, kind of initi- going to initiate the conversation in that place, so I'm glad we got to there. I think the reaction is standard. People are going to react in a negative, no matter who's been mentioned as Batman. Michael Keaton was scoffed at. Christian Bale was scoffed at to a degree. Ben Affleck was certainly scoffed at up until the point where he finally left playing Batman. So it's not a surprise. I think people just have such an a. a Attachment to this character that it will spark a strong reaction. And we're in such an age now where I'm, I came up with this term today when I was talking with Shannon. We were having dinner a little bit earlier, all three of us. And I said fan empowerment. And that's what it feels like. It feels like over the last five years, fans have embraced this empowerment. Like, I'm owed this. I deserve this. You need to meet my uh, points of view about what this is. And I find that fascinating with the petitions and everything going on that it's just like come on is no one allowed to cast their own film and then see if it works what i'm trying to think of the history of comic book casting and i yeah. mean I'm, I'm going way back to i remember when ian mckellen was cast sure. as magneto sure and people lost their minds people were posting pictures of magneto from the comics and they were He's like strong robust. look at this guy yeah. and yeah. then ian mckellen's this old british actor and like obviously that was amazing casting and yeah i mean from that to rogue even to more modern times with gal gadot mm-hmm. like to like or oh, yeah. um or tom holland even as as, as peter parker and yeah. like it just seems like we all first of all it seems like everyone has these preconceived notions that everybody is more interested in casting the look than the character is a thing that i always think happens with comics yeah and and then to your point about fan empowerment, I'm like, I just don't understand. I guess I don't understand petition culture. 
Yeah. Good, like that's what I'm going to say. That's I, a good term. I completely understand. You know, we've been we've talked about Game of Thrones this week. Obviously, there was a petition there. We're talking about Robert Pattinson now. There's a petition here. I completely understand being upset about a choice uh, and hoping that you're proven wrong. I mean, we're going right. to talk about Aladdin in a few minutes, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I have I have some similar thoughts there. Um, I understand expressing your opinion. I understand being upset about things. I understand even when you go see something. I don't. I love DC Comics. I'm not a big fan of the DC Universe. Yeah. But I'm not out petitioning for them to change things. It's like, and I, I guess I just really, um, I'm curious about this, like the petition culture that we live in, the fan empowerment of like, we, we, we need you to change things. Yeah. I, I personally, yeah, I don't understand that either. Um, and I think for the most part, they clearly don't work. Except like with the trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog was released and people yeah. went crazy about like he, he doesn't look like he did from the games. Right. He looks like he looks a little too human. He's got human teeth. Yes. The they went online and said, you know, we heard you we're gonna fix it. Like and yeah. I get it that that's a much smaller property. I mean I get that. But they have proved they've proven the point. When does Sonic come out? It comes out this year. It comes out in like November. Yeah. I, I gotta tell you, I I have a f- I feel like they were already changing that. Yeah. And then when the fans went crazy, they were like, we heard you. But that was already in process. I mean, like, changing your CG character who's the lead of your movie, yeah. that, that's a significant amount of work. Agreed. I'm, yeah. I'm curious to see how that all turns out. I agree. I, I agree because when you come down to it, it's like, well, where are we going to go with it, right? Where, what's the end result here? Do you want to make... Do you want to be so part of the process that you need to have an effect on this thing because it's easy to sit on the outside and be like you should change this but then there's no real um consequences for you well we live in an interesting time because you know with the advent of social media particularly with twitter Mm. like the world has changed like years ago if you were a creator and you wanted to know what your friend your what your fans thought of something yeah i mean what like you'd have to like you like go like before like you maybe you'd search mm-hmm. the internet for like some comment threads or whatever but with twitter now you literally have your fans adding you yeah and telling you exactly what they think and the divide between the fan base and the people creating the content is is much smaller than it's ever been before yeah and in a lot of ways that's a positive and in a lot of ways that's really challenging mm-hmm. and i'm just curious i'm curious how far that's going to go i mean i think it like it really started with like to me like back in the day with ain't it cool news.com right you know, that was the, the first sites. time that fans, like these sites where fans started really expressing things and it's mm-hmm. built and it's built. And now we, we're in this era of like, I need you to go redo season eight of Game of Thrones. I need you to not cast mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson. Well, and I think the danger there with, with, the, uh, with the petition culture is, I believe it was Christopher McQuarrie said it after Ryan Johnson got so much flack after oh, The yeah. Last Jedi. Yeah. Where he's like, you are going to push the people who can make these things good, you are going to push them away. It is going to get to a point where they don't want to work on these properties because they don't want to get this 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 mental anguish mm-hmm. because you change someone's the way someone's hair looked. Well, I'll play devil's advocate on this and go, well, if you want to play with the big boys, you got to be willing to take the hits. If you want to take on the large franchise and do these superheroes and do these big things and get the payday, you got to deal with the fandom now as it is, unfortunately. You can complain about it and hope well, it changes and bitch about and it. I agree with you a little but, bit because you know, it's fortunate. It's it's fortunately and it's unfortunately because the thing yeah, I'm not saying the, it should the, be well no this because way. the thing that's interesting about the studios the creators everybody and I yeah. say this look like I've 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 worked for years on My Little Pony and the My Little Pony fan base is right. you is have very uh, experience yeah. is very very vocal and very very 
intense in their opinions on My Little Pony. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, I've, I've dealt with this. And I think that, like, when, like, there's a good side to it, too. Yeah, sure. Like, you know, you know what everybody wants? You know anybody who's a creative person, you know what they want more than anything? Everybody to love what they do. Right. And when everybody is loving what you do and you go on Twitter or you look anywhere and everyone's like, you nailed it, you did this, you figured it out. Robert Pattinson as Batman was the best. I wasn't sure about it. You nailed it. That was the young Batman I've always wanted. It was like Frank Miller's year one, but better. You totally figured it out. It was great. You love it. And then the second that you do something that everyone's like, how fucking dare you? You're like, guys, this fan base has gotten out of control. So it's it's a, there's (laughs) a love-hate relationship with it that is really interesting to me. So it's like, I don't want to say that like, I'm not trying to like crap on fans who are passionate about what they love because we... Yeah. As the geek buddies, like we're here to talk about the things that we love and the mm-hmm. things that we hate and the things that frustrate us. So I think that fans should be able to express their love, their hate, their their worry, their concern. I think that's important. I think that there's like this divide though, where it's like I'm now going to tell you how to do your thing. Well, yeah, it's gone. The it's gone past the point of friends getting together and complaining about it or being on Twitter and complaining about it. And it's gotten to the point now where fans want to be activists about it. They want to actively get involved and think they're fighting the good fight like they're soldiers on some battlefield to defend this franchise or character or series of novels and how it's being cast or who's being assigned to direct it. Well, yeah, and it seems like a lot of that empowerment comes from the anonymity of the internet. Yeah, sure. I mean, because Thoroughly was agree a year with that. or two ago when, when they were they were going to do a protest out in front of Warner Brothers out here in Burbank yeah. where they released the <laughs> Snyder Cut. Oh. And like 12, 16 people showed up. Yeah. I was right. one of them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wasn't there. <laughs> I remember you yeah, photobombed. Mike was, no, Mike was trying to drive through them. <laughs> I drove by in my Prius and just waved at everybody. <laughs> with a chai. I'm I'm trying to get to work. <laughs> How many My Little Pony fans do you think listen to this podcast, Mike? I'm hoping a lot of My Little, Pan- My Little Pony fans listen to this podcast. And I'll tell you, there are a lot of My Little Pony fans that tell me the episodes that I've written that they love. There's a lot of My Little Pony fans that tell me how horrible I am, too. Do you think you're driving those fans away? Because maybe we need to have a discussion. <laughs> I hope not. We need fans, Mike. We need listeners. I hope. I hope they're all listening. And he just he just stole my drink. Do you see he really? Uh, he's, it's the second time he's done. Guys, it. my martini's gone, and I'm recording. I can't take the microphone to the bar. That's the only negative. I'm recording. See me? I'm nursing this diet coke. Um. Wow, a real party animal over here. Look, I had four shots already. Um, the the conversation though does move into another place, which is. What kind of Batman do we want to see now? Like, you've got Pattinson, you've got Matt Reeves. Reeves I, did an excellent job with the Planet of the Apes movies, the last two. I really like that. Can I tell you what yeah. I would love in a Batman that yeah. I've never seen Please in the do. movies? I don't think that any movie has ever really embraced the detective part of yes. Batman. Well, Matt Reeves says that's what he's going to focus I, on. I know, and, I, and that's why I'm really excited because mm-hmm. I... Listen, when I was a kid, I think I think Michael Keaton and Tim Burton's Batman is what got me into comics in the first place. I wasn't really a comic book person until that movie came out, and then I went and read every Batman comic. So I will always have a soft spot for those. Uh, The Joel Schumacher, that's a whole other thing. Um, And then I really feel like the Nolan Batman movies really just elevated the genre in a whole amazing way. But even those, as much as they got into the origins of Batman and everything else, he was... 
not really the detective. And my favorite thing about Batman in the comics is he's smarter than everybody else. It's yeah. not about the muscle. It's not about the tech. It's not about all the cool stuff he has. That's all part of it. Right. But Batman is better than Sherlock Holmes in the way that he handles stuff, and I've never seen Whoa. that in a movie. In The Dark Whoa. Knight, you get a glimpse during the montage when he sets up that, that gun in, in, the, uh, in, the cell, in, yeah. in the basement. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. you know, Michael Caines, you know, I don't think he made, made it loud enough, and he's figuring out uh, the way that a bullet shatters, and he's able to put a fingerprint together. That's like, right. They, they touched on it. Yeah, yes. yeah there is a Certainly. moment. But if you have it a wasn't film a Martha of that, moment. Yeah. <laughs> if you have a film of that where you get to see the wheels turning mm. for this incredibly intelligent man putting putting the mystery together like yeah I think that's going to be very interesting I mean look and I'll say this like I think I I am an animation nerd and I think to this day Bruce Timm's Batman is my favorite Batman I I mean like that like he's he's the scary guy he's the badass guy he's the warrior he's the detective and he's the asshole I mean like like that's my favorite like Batman's an asshole and also he's the paternal guy yeah, which Batman is at yeah. times, right? He's, he has those moments. So I, I, yeah, as soon as Matt Reeves said detective, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, whatever you're into, I'm into it. Like I'm okay. really excited to see this. What about you, Shane? What do, what do you want to see from? Well, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if they've officially announced the villains, and we hear that it's going to be. Yeah, the we'll penguin. talk about that in just a second. But yeah, let's get that. Down. That's that's what I want. That's what I want to lead into. Do you okay, want, you want Kite Man. That that is what I want. And the Condiment King. I want Condiment King. <laughs> yes. Condiment King. Yes. I, I heard want. Polka Dot Man is coming in Suicide Squad. I want ketchup ketchup six shooters. I think that, <laughs> I think that'll be fantastic. <laughs> Condiment King is a real villain for yes. anyone who's listening. And yes, he is. My favorite thing is he actually sprayed Robin's face with spicy mustard once <laughs> in the comics. The That's spicy a, mustard. It's a spicy. <laughs> <laughs> thinking, right. thinking about yeah. the villains. Yeah. Thinking about like you know they have there were rumors that there's going to be multiple villains that yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Penguin and Catwoman are going to kind of be the focus for a noir driven story that makes sense that your bad guys are going to be a thief and a gangster yeah that makes sense but i also think let's open the door a little bit wider like batman has one of the best rogues galleries in in comics yeah you know when i hear batman as a detective and when i hear we're casting a, a very young batman the youngest batman ever yeah and I hear Catwoman, I do automatically go to Frank Miller's Batman Year One. Sure. You know, I really do see... I thought that was David Mazzuccelli. Isn't that Mazzuccelli? Or is it Frank Miller? Is it both? It's both, I think. It's both Miller and Mazzuccelli. Um, I get that confused sometimes. But I go back to that look it up. young Bruce Wayne, young Selina Kyle. Yeah. And so that really intrigues me. And the thing that I've always felt about the Penguin, Oswald Cobblepot, is... Uh, he works the best, like the best thing, and I believe this came out of the Bruce Tim series, is the Iceberg Lounge. Right. Like, the Penguin on his own as a villain, I think, is not that interesting. Mm-hmm. But the Penguin is sort of this, I'm, I'm quasi-respectable. I own a business establishment that's a cool club that really is a front for the underworld. And everybody sort of knows it, but everybody sort of lets it slide. Uh, yeah. That's when he's the most interesting to me. So when I hear... Lots of villains, Selena Kyle, Oswald Cobblepot. Those are some of the ideas that I'm like, ooh, if that was in there, I'd get really excited about it. Now, but neither one of them are going to have a big plan, though, for the most part, if we're, you know, based off the comics. They're, they're not going to have a huge mm. plan. So if you have these two characters, Penguin and Catwoman, mm-hmm. on the periphery, who is your choice for the big villain, then? Do you have a choice for How do you know they're not going to be the main part? They, they might be. Yeah, my, yeah. my, We might not have them. 
a standard technical traditional villain in this situation. And I wonder, you know, because it's about him discovering how to be Batman. If you read Batman Year One, the villains are Flass. It's Flass and whoever else, but it's not like. And I mean, hey. Batman Returns with Penguin and Catwoman. It's Max Shrek, baby. <laughs> you know, and that's where... going to push her out a higher window. <laughs> Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne dressed up like Batman. It's quite an umbrella you got there. It spins around. Uh, anyway, all right. <laughs> Is that supposed to hypnotize me? <laughs> it's supposed to hypnotize me. All right, well, let's take a break uh, and hear from one of our sponsors, and then we'll come back and keep talking about what we want to see from these villains in the Batman universe. We're back on the Geek Buddies. I want to thank those sponsors for giving us a little love, giving the show a little love. So thank you. I'd also like to to thank the sponsors for giving us a break for me to get another martini. (laughs) Thanks, guys. John, are you convinced this isn't a double? I'm not convinced. What is that? It looks like a double. It's it's the same size glass. Yeah. I asked for a single. Michael brought me back a double. You drink what I give you. Ooh, I know. There yeah, it is. Okay, I'll shut up. There it is. Wow. Well, we took a dark turn. Another drink for my friend over here. Um, all right, we're moving on to this idea of the villains. We mentioned it before we went to the break about uh, Catwoman and Penguin and what, what kind of villains we want to see. Are we glad that it's not the Joker again? Yeah. Yes. Right? With the Joker coming out already. Listen, even though it's going to be two years later. I think that Marvel did a pretty brilliant thing with Spider-Man. And I think that if Mm. DC goes down this road with their villains, I'd be super thrilled. Marvel with Spider-Man Homecoming went Vulture. Yep. Who's arguably one of the lamer villains in Spider-Man's rogues gallery. And then cast Michael Keaton and made Vulture one of the coolest things ever. And based on the trailers, as we've talked about a few weeks ago, with uh, Mysterio, they took another one of the lame villains and gave him something really interesting. And I think that rather than jumping straight to your tops, straight to your heavy hitters, kind of start... And actually, to be fair, Nolan did the same thing with Batman Begins. I mean, going Scarecrow and uh, Ra's al Ghul, that's... That's not where you would think to start. And I think that... For the general movie-going audience. For the general movie-going audience. And I think that um, whatever he's doing... I mean, I know we were joking uh, before the break about, like, Kite Man and everything else. But, like, listen, (laughs) Tom King in the comics right now has done some really amazing stuff with some of these secondary and tertiary Batman characters. And I would love nothing more than to have Catwoman and Penguin play a part and have some of these weirder Batman villains in his early years Mm -hmm. kind of rise to the top and make it a really interesting movie because the challenge with Batman particularly, um, and it's repeatedly been the challenge, is that the villains and his rogues gallery are so colorful that when you put a big villain like the Joker in there, particularly in the origin, Batman kind of falls to the side a little bit. He's less interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think by uh, having this kind of story that, I mean, literally based on the little information we have, you know, possibly Robert Pattinson possibly Nicholas Holt, Catwoman and Penguin, maybe yeah. a group of other villains. It could be really interesting. I mean, I also think that I have a Planet of the Apes bias that I'm kind right. of like, look, you did that and you knocked that out of the park. So yeah. I'm really excited to see what you're going to do. Arkham Asylum is, I think, a blueprint for this a little bit. This idea of the more darker Batman, but the characters are are not goofy or cartoonish in any way, shape, or form. The general foundation of the characters are there, but they're played for a darker, more serious tone. And certainly Reeves did that with those last two uh, Planet of the Apes movies. And, of course, that third one didn't quite hit the financial numbers they were hoping for, but the overall film, you can't argue the quality of the film. Listen, the Planet of the Apes trilogy, to me, is one of the 
diamonds in the rough since we're going to talk about Aladdin in the bit sure. in a bit but like those those movies are are golden to me they're so no right to be as good as they were yeah and so that certainly even movies. as someone who's not the biggest fan of a lot of what DC has done as mm-hmm. I've been very clear about on multiple conversations wait what uh, yeah <laughs> shocking guys um I'm Intrigued and excited. Absolutely. And yeah. the Robert Pattinson. Like, like every piece of information that drives everybody else crazy mm-hmm. is the stuff that's making me go, yeah, no, I'm kind of interested here. Yeah. Well, and what you said, John, talking about, like, if we're going to have multiple villains, mm-hmm. multiple villains kind of meet around Arkham Asylum. That's where yeah. a lot of them kind of, that's, 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 their, that's their point. And you wondered, like, just because he's a younger Batman, that doesn't mean it's an origin. Right. The, you know, so I wonder, like, okay, if you were having multiple villains... Arkham's going to be involved in some in mm-hmm. some way. Mm-hmm. Is Hugo Strange sort of our our, our, our big bad? Bring this, me the Strange. This is who I said when we were asking me questions on movie talk about it. I said Hugo Strange. Nobody uses Hugo Strange. Uh, he was really well used in the animated series. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be nice to have him live action? You know, and Michael, you brought up a great point with him using Ra's al Ghul and Scarecrow. Yes, to the general movie going public, they don't really know Scarecrow Ra's al Ghul. But to the comic book loving public, they do. And so they appreciate the fact that you were willing to use both those characters as villains in your first movie. Yeah, and Scarecrow became such a great runner yes. for that trilogy. Yeah. Even though like I didn't particularly care for the third movie that much, uh-huh. it was still great to see him pop up. It was, because he wasn't bad in any of the scenes. And Killian Murphy was fan- he had a little mini arc in that whole thing, yeah. which was great. And so you look at this, Hugo Strange is certainly a possibility. Um, they, you know, I still think they owe Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy... A good rendition, maybe down the road we'll see that. Are you saying that they weren't good in the movie that they were in? <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you, I don't know because I never finished that fucking movie and I never will. You need to chill. <laughs> <laughs> it's a party. Um, no, I swear to God, I've never finished Batman and Robin, never will. Uh, an hour in, I left. As soon as the motorcycle race happened, I was like, I'm out. You know, apparently, uh, sometimes during, uh, during uh, times during the year, out in Hollywood mm. at the Arclight, they'll do you know they'll show eighties movies yeah you know and they did a Batman they did a Batman week where oh. they did show Batman and Robin here what? is <laughs> so, that an eighties movie that's a 90s well no movie. no I'm just I'm you mean connected 80s, to the I trilogy eighties as an example right right um, fair point but yeah I mean they showed like I imagine a lot of people showed up for the first one yeah few showed up for Batman Returns Batman Forever Batman and Robin. Ah. One of the most heartbreaking things I discovered uh, a few weeks ago when I rewatched Batman Forever is it does not hold up. And I loved Batman Forever. Wait, you what? loved Batman Forever? Oh, I loved so it. So it didn't hold up then? Because I was a massive Jim Carrey fan. So to me, this was a blast. This was hilariously stupid. And Nicole Kidman was sexy as hell. And Tommy Lee Jones was funny as Two-Face. Even though it wasn't a good Two-Face. I will. Ne- and that's a, that's a great move into that, too. Two-Face is a possibility. If you go with the best friend type of situation... I I know that you're trying to brush this under the rug. I'm still having a hard time (laughs) with the fact that you loved Batman Forever. I really Because that movie coasted on Goodwill. Good soundtrack, too. I really like that movie. You a big Seal fan? I thought Kill (laughs) I mean, that's the best part of the movie is that Seal song. Do you like Gladiator (laughs) films? Uh, No, the Everything But the Girl song, Hunter Becomes the Gun, Hunter Captured by the Game is good, too. But yeah, there's a lot... And the U2 song is good. Do 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 So anyway, I I, I, I liked Kilmer. As we're Batman. having this conversation, I'm realizing that like as 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 popular as Batman is from a cinematic standpoint, he's had some 
Some stinkers. He's had some ups and downs. Oh, you could argue <laughs> that there's only three good Batman movies that have ever been made. What do you think the three are? Well, what, what is your argument there? I will include Batman Returns. I will include Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. That's it. But not not, not the original nine, Batman? Not the Timber? Really? It doesn't hold up for me anymore. The original Timber. It's cheesy as hell. And I, lo- and I love... I love but, but Danny DeVito is the penguin... Driving a remote control Batmobile, right? Is that that hit, that's good, absolutely, and especially when Batman does the scratch on the turntable. Get the f out of here! But I, but but Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman redeems that movie on so many. I levels. will agree that Michelle Pfeiffer, like even today, like with all even with Nolan's Batman films, yeah. And I mean, as we're talking about casting and as they're looking at who they're going to cast in these roles, yeah. Even though I think that Dark Knight is maybe one of the greatest films of all of, of all time, like as far Agreed. as our genre and comic books and everything else. I think Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman is maybe the best thing that's ever happened to Batman on film ever. More than Heath Ledger's Joker. I think Heath Ledger's Joker is amazing. Mm. And I think it's an iconic performance. I think he nails the Joker. I think it's great. I would, I, I'm going to get flack for this, but I might put Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman just above Heath Ledger's Joker. I would put them equal. But I would, but I wouldn't fault. I wouldn't. Argue and I'll tell you that. why. I'll tell you the exact shot. I'll tell you, the, I'll tell you the exact shot that makes me put Michelle Pfeiffer just above Heath Ledger. Okay, it's when Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Keaton are dancing. Oh yeah, at the party, and she's uh, the moment that the mistletoe, the mistletoe moment, yeah. where they switch the lines, and she realizes that he's Batman. Yeah, the fil- and she says, <sighs> "Do we have to start?" fighting each other now and she almost has tears in her eyes that's why Catwoman is just a little bit better than Heath Ledger I'm not going to argue the man I, I think you can make a case on both sides because they're both two very iconic performances of villains in two separate franchises of Batman so. and actually I mean that brings us back around to what we were talking about with casting is that yeah, like, I was just say that, if yeah, Robert Pattinson is playing Batman uh, which I think he will I mean maybe yeah. it'll be Nicholas Holt maybe it'll be something nah, completely different they'll Pattinson. say no but I kind of feel like that's I feel like that's the road we're going down yeah who should it be? Unknowns? Is it somebody that you guys can think of? Like, I have I don't three. Know. Like I have three. Scott, I have Jennifer Lawrence. I have Emily Blunt as a possibility as Catwoman. Yes. Don't you think they're both a little long in the tooth? Well, do, do, does Catwoman How have to be the same? Dare you. Well, no, no, no. I'm saying That's if you're Mary fucking Poppins, if you, <laughs> she played Tempest in the My Little Pony movie. She can do anything. If you're talking about a Batman who's supposed to be in his late twenties, right? Dakota Johnson is a possibility as well, but my choice is the choice that would destroy the whole situation, which is Kristen Stewart. I think I know the Twilight situation, girl, but Stewart is so girl. so good as an actress now. That is, I know it sinks. Girl, the, I know it sinks the whole trilogy <laughs> because people can't resist the Twilight reference. But Kristen Stewart is so good, and she's sexy and in control of her power as an actress, and she would give as good as she gets with Robert on screen. And wouldn't it be interesting, because of their personal issues and their history, to throw that into the mix of this franchise, of this trilogy? that's all it needs. (laughs) I'm just saying, people would be attracted to it. People want to see if there's fireworks on the set. I mean, that's some fireworks. I I want her to be cast as the Penguin, is what I want. (laughs) Now that... You want to get That's you want to get weird. Penguin. Let's get weird. Well, I mean, in the the idea that we are thinking about a a Batman late twenties, mm. um, all the stuff that Josh Gad was posting about before playing. No, no, I'm not agreeing with yeah, it. I'm Josh not agreeing Gad. with it. Um, but I think age wise, that does line up. To mm. me, the perfect Penguin is Michael Stuhlbarg. Yes, from Boardwalk Empire. I, that Michael Stuhlbarg was my choice, and I can't remember right now. 
who was my second choice. But Stuhlberg, Stuhlberg was one of my choices. Oh, um, and Circus. Circus. Oh, Andy Circus. Because of what he did with U- Ulysses Claw, that barrel-chested, large, forearm guy. Imagine that in the penguin with the monocle and the hat and everything, and him going, You want, you, you want a ripped penguin? <laughs> yeah, I want a ripped penguin. <laughs> or, or, you know, if he has a little weight to him, he's a stocky penguin, not a not a overweight penguin. I want a stocky penguin with a little bit of a gut. And that's okay with <laughs> I, I won't argue Andy Serkis's prowess as an actor. I yeah. think I think if anybody could do it, he could do it. But I mean ever since I mean we've talked about this for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Stuhlbarg, like he he just when he was playing his character in Boardwalk Empire, you just saw him in these awesome suits, yeah. these awesome yeah. tuxes. It's like all you need is a prosthetic nose to go out about an inch. What about and, Jonah Hill? Uh, <sighs> He's been nominated for Oscars. No, I'm not doubting his talent. I just don't okay. necessarily see him as that sort of okay. faux refined criminal. What about The Rock <laughs> as the Penguin? He's Black Adam, man. That, come on, man. Come on, man. No? Well, we're not, we're I mean, not... We saw him chubby in Central Intelligence, but I don't think that would work. Um, I, I mean, I don't think it should be The Rock, but I do think that, I mean, particularly based on the Robert Pattinson thing that came mm. out that like drove everybody crazy... I think that we could sit here and kind of speculate all day, and I think that when we hear who they're actually going to cast as Penguin and Catwoman, it's going to be just as surprising. Are you oh, sure. pulling the ripcord on making a suggestion right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> really? I'm not making a suggestion. What? No, You brought this up. Yeah, you brought it up. You can't I asked on you guys. I didn't intend to answer. That's some bullshit. What about Brian Tyree Henry? Yeah. What? Maybe. Oh. I don't, you know, I, it, it, no, it is. And because I think that this is kind of the thing that happens. And I think this is why mm. I, the best casting for any comic book role. Yeah. I mean, when you really go through, I mean, the, look, there's been some big names that have played roles. Like I would say Patrick Stewart as Professor X is almost like a gimme. It's iconic. Like it's iconic. And like anybody would have guessed that. Yeah, and that yeah. happened. And it was a home run. Sure. But I think that we, you know, it's not just us. Every comic book fan, male, female, old, young, everybody sits around and like talks about these characters and talks yeah. about who should play this, who should play this, who should play this. And I think oftentimes it's one of two things. It's either a complete left fielder or it's a complete unknown. Mm-hmm. And I think that I would say left fielders and unknowns. 90% of the time are the way to go. It's okay. always the winner. So it's, I like, I'm almost like reticent to sort of sit here. The only, I mean, look, I think that, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think, I, like, I, that's, that's what I got. Okay. Coward. I am I'm wimping out. Tessa Thompson? I mean, look, she's, ooh, ooh yeah, and wouldn't be mad at that. I like Tessa Thompson as a I'm a Tessa Thompson fan. Yeah, I would love to see I don't see know her. if that Men in Black movie is going to be good, but I'm a fan of her. I don't think it's going to be good at all. But you never know. But the Tessa, Especially after what happened with Aladdin. But Tessa Thompson would be very interesting choice. You know, because, you know, we had a black cat woman, obviously, at the beginning with Eartha Kitt. And we had Halle Berry, which really wasn't a positive thing. But Tessa is a great actress. I mean, look, I have no issue with... Yeah. Any male or female of any ethnicity playing either Penguin or oh, Catwoman, agreed. and honestly, at the end of the day, Batman. But that's like, like the, that's a bigger conversation for another sure, day. Sure. But like, I, I have no issue with any of that across the board. Yeah, how gutsy would it have been if they'd gone with Michael B. Jordan for Batman, a Bruce Wayne, a black Bruce Wayne? Like, it would be interesting. I, I think the or Oscar Isaac, well, fully Latino. Older Batman, thir- I think in his Oscar 30s. Oscar Isaac as Bruce Wayne, I think would have been cool. Yeah. Oscar Isaac can do anything. It's true. 
Including take me out to dinner. <laughs> if, just in case he's listening. Yeah, just in case. All right, we're getting to that 45-minute uh, mark. Uh, do we want to move on to the other story, or do you want to yeah, jump into it? Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to jump into Aladdin? Or yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So we're going to do like a non-spoiler review of Aladdin. We just got out of the screening. Our first official Geek Buddy screening. Hey. Uno- it's official, unofficial Geek Buddy screening of Aladdin. Uh, I was able to get uh, Shannon and Michael in to join Thank you very me. much. Of course. It's my pleasure. Um, it's, good. it's good to be friends with the outlaw. <laughs> It's always good Especially when you get the call at 10 till 6. <laughs> hey, well, I was on running. a run. Yeah, Shannon, Shannon, Shannon Forrest gumped his way over here. I was a mile play. out. I had to run a mile <laughs> to get oh back my to my God. car. I don't want to miss the movie. <laughs> um, but we, but we, we, you look at the, we, all three of us, I think, went in with uh, expectations that were low, uh, hoping it wouldn't be terrible, maybe. Judging from the trailers and from the clips we'd seen online. That we that we talked about a few weeks ago. That we did. We talked about it, yeah. Uh, and also, but I'd heard over the weekend from a couple of friends who went to see it that they loved it. And so that made me start to think that maybe there is something here. And coming out of the movie, I have to say, and if I can start uh, with my reaction, I absolutely enjoyed the hell out of it. And I'm surprised from the bottom of my toes to the top of my head that I had such a wonderful time seeing this version of Aladdin. Do I think there are a couple of problems with it? Sure, but not enough to take away the overall enjoyment I felt about the movie and about seeing the songs kind of redone in a different way and the story told in a different way. And I leaned over, I said to Michael, I said, there was enough here in this movie that made it uh, very reminiscent of the original, but enough that was different that made it stand on its own. Yeah, I think there there were a handful of issues, sure. but overall, um, in terms of like just the casting of the genie, yeah, Will Smith is not Robin Williams, right? We, we know, nor that. should we. And expect, also, and I think, also nobody is Robin. Well, and Williams. that's the thing right. is, Will Smith knows he's not Robin Williams. I mean, you look at the they, obviously they wanted a star for the genie, and looking around the uh, looking around Hollywood about the guys that can they can put on a poster. I don't know who else you would grab other than Will Smith for a type of role like this. And that's fair. Th- again, th- this is not a, this is not spoilery. I think when he is not blue, he is fantastic. Yeah. When he is blue, I'm not as sold, but that has that has that Although doesn't have as much to do. He had some really good genie moment. I, I will say that it like, doesn't have as much to do with the CGI. I, I will or say is it the look. I, I I said this to Michael okay. at the bar. Yeah. I mean, I think it is. I think it's a combination of I didn't love the effects because it's human-ish. Yes, and so it looks a little wonky. But also, some people are really, really good on set. Yeah, and when you have to record that dialogue afterwards, there is a com- there can be an emotional component missing. But I also think that, and I mean, I'm a hardcore animation fan, and I'm a hardcore Aladdin fan, and I will say that Will Smith had some very not always that it was it, was, yeah, it wasn't sure. always a home run. I agree, but he had some really really quality genie moments. Yeah, agreed. He had agreed. a couple that made me really laugh out loud. Yeah, and it's a different. I mean, and it's a different relationship. His yes. relationship with this Aladdin is different than the than the animated. Version. Yes, yes. Well, and I think that's the thing that surprised me the most is that I think the biggest issue that Disney has with these more recent remakes, mm. and it was a big issue with Beauty and the Beast, is kind of. At moments, feeling like they're trying too hard to stay close to the source material, yeah, yeah. and then at times doing something that's so different that you're like, I don't feel that fits. And I think, and I'll be honest about this, I think Aladdin is a better 
remake than Beauty and the Beast was. Far better. Um, wow. And I think that wow. and I think that they found the right balance and they hit the right beats yeah. that made it feel I mean to you what you were saying, John, it's the same I'm saying the same thing you were saying in a different way. Whoa. That's um, my hog. But wow. uh but they, they really did hit it right. Like I listen, I went in thinking oh, that sure. this was gonna be a shit show. A debacle. I, I thought this was gonna be bad and I was gonna come out being like, I can't believe that and and from virtually the first moment I had a stupid smile on my face yeah. almost the whole time. I, to your point, Shannon, I don't think everything was perfect. I have issues, and if we get into spoiler stuff later on down the road, like <laughs> we can get into specifics. But I would say that in general, if you love the original Aladdin, yeah. this will be a fun movie for you. Yes, yes. and I, and you, But you, it won't be without some issues, but I think you're going to walk out of this thinking... I'm okay with these issues because overall they nailed it. And I'll tell you one thing. Aladdin and Jasmine. Yeah. 100%. I'm 100% in on them. They were great. Great chemistry. And I think the way that they built their relationship out even further than the animated movie is one of the best things about this version. I think that Aladdin and Jasmine are great. Uh I think Abu is awesome. Yes. Yeah, I think the way they handled all of the animal characters Mm -hmm. was pitch perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Including the carpet and the animal characters? I'll, I'll throw the carpet in there. I'm thinking mainly Iago, but yeah, Iago but I'll throw was, the carpet. What in a there. great version of Iago! Mm-hmm. I will say that I was not the biggest fan of Jafar. Yeah, did, and did I, you have the issues? You know, with him? I don't have any. I, no, I think I think they purposely made Jafar a certain way in this movie so that other things could shine. I don't think that you would ever make your villain less good to make other things shine. Okay. I disagree with you on that. Okay, but is your issue with the uh, iteration of the character or the actor? I feel like I feel like it's the actor. I, I'm going to be honest with you. Like when you really look at the script and the way that they wrote Jafar mm-hmm. and the things that he says that are different from the movie, I think that he's saying the right things. I think he's yeah. they're 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 writing him in the right direction. I think that the actor wasn't mm-hmm. dynamic enough. Okay. I think if you had a f- stronger actor in there, he would have fared better. I also think it's hard because Jafar is like top five Disney villains of all time. Right. right. Uh, so he's got some big shoes to fill. But I think, look, I, I like, I think, I think Aladdin, Jasmine, and shockingly Will Smith. Yes. Um, I feel like really, I feel, on, you got a hair on your mic. <laughs> Shannon's like grabbing my face. Yes. Um, well, you got him the double. What'd you expect? <laughs> but I, I, but I feel like they all did really well. I mean, I feel like that was great. And I think Jafar just sort of fell flat for me. Okay. Well, and, but also the things that they added, like typically, like I'm thinking specifically Beauty and the Beast. Like I saw that mm-hmm. movie one time because mm-hmm. I did not, I'm like, I, I don't like the, hey, he's going for my drink. There he is. <laughs> um, well, he bought the double um, for himself. Um, I didn't. I didn't enjoy Beauty and the Beast. I didn't like the stuff that they added. Everything that they added, for the most part, in Aladdin, in terms yeah. of characters, mm-hmm. I was like, awesome. Yeah, Jasmine's handmaiden, big win. Nazim Pedrad, I love her from fantastic. SM. Jasmine's handmaiden, big win. And there's, and there's uh, another. I've character. always had a crush on her. She's fantastic. I, you know what? And tonight was the first time I saw that. I, I also know. know oh, I get um, it. <laughs> what's his fa- what, What's his name? The actor who played the new, the other prince, Billy Magnuson. So there was oh, a big. God. There was a lot so of. There was funny. a lot of debate. I mean, when Billy Magnuson got cast, there was a lot of discussion online that like. Oh, they cast a white guy, whitewash to sort of whitewash Aladdin yeah. and to make to add a white character. And I don't think that was the case. I mean, he was added. He's actually a very small part, and he's very funny. Yeah, he, um, he wins and, every and, scene. And he's good in. addition. And yeah. in no way did I feel like he was there to sort of appease the masses. I right. mean, he's a very small role. Um, it really is. I mean, I will give them credit, at least from my perspective. I mean, other people might feel differently, but I, I, I actually felt that this was. 
it was wonderful to see an entire cast of color. Yeah, and Mina Massad and Naomi Scott, uh, Marwan Kanzari is the uh, is Jafar, but David Negabon as the Sultan was great. Yeah, way better than you see in the animated. Film totally different, totally it, different, different very, Sultan and a different Jafar. Very much a father, very much uh, uh, emotionally connected to the story that's happening, um, and they do add a certain um, how does it character trait of Jasmine that we don't see in the animated movie. That's an interesting color on her that I think works for now. I, I don't think I don't think this is a spoiler. Tell me if I need to stop. Careful. Uh, I don't want to edit this goddamn podcast. Go ahead. There are other songs added. There's one song added. There's one song added. Uh, And my issue with that song that's added is that Disney musicals have a certain feel to their sound, to their music, particularly these 90s Disney musicals that were made. And there's a song that's added that... Taken out of context, I think is actually a lovely song. It's like I, th- I believe it's Pasek and Paul who did yeah. Darren Hansen and Greatest Showman, who are obviously amazing. They're fantastic. Um, but I feel like it doesn't feel like it fits. I thoroughly agree with that. It feels it feels shoved in there, and that's the main. That's one of my complaints about the movie. Oh my god, that's one of my complaints about the movie is that it feels shoved in there for the lead actress to shine and kind of have a a music video moment and other than that that's I don't, my only complaint I don't feel like it, I don't feel like it's just there for the lead actress to shine I understand what they were doing with it you, you and know people I, do I that actually in their think contracts. it's a really no no I know but I okay. I actually think it's a cool song and I like yeah, what I they were trying to do it sure. serves a story purpose it serves a story purpose mm-hmm. and I like what they were trying to do I just feel like the the Ashman Menken yeah era of Disney musicals is very specific and very awesome and amazing to me and this felt like another movie was put into it that's what I mean this felt like a Disney Channel moment in the middle of this overall uh, fantastic that being said I know like look a couple weeks ago when you guys picked me up from the airport we were talking about that Prince Ali clip Mm -hmm. and how we felt about it and it was not very positive because we're reviewing it out of context well but I will say this I do feel like as a lover of musical theater mm-hmm. um, and as we've said before an intensely gay person uh, <laughs> I, I do what does that feel mean intensely gay it means that I love men I got intensely men all the time and also anti-mame is a great movie that, that, those, those are the two things it really means wait mame really or anti-mame mame there's two okay. really lean into the second one yeah just <laughs> lean into it uh, but no I think that but what do you feel I think about that, Yentl yeah go ahead okay <laughs> The the musical numbers in this movie were really fun. Yeah. But I did feel like they all felt slightly stilted to me. I don't feel... And look, I, I don't mean that in a negative because... Do you mean that I, they popped up out of the blue in the middle of something? No, I just sort of think that the production value of it, the dancing of mm. all of it... Like, like I, I think that there were some highlights. There were some that fared better than sure, others. But sure. I think that in general... Um, Maybe with a different director, maybe with a different thing. Like I do feel like the musical numbers, like I, they were better than I thought they would be, yeah. but they weren't as great as I think they could be. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I was going to say this is this movie. When you're watching the credits, this is not a film that necessarily benefited from Guy Ritchie's involvement. Okay. Um, there, you know, if if you watch some of the like Lock, Stocks and, and Two Smoking Barrels, or if right. you watch Sherlock Holmes, um, you know, there are those Ritchie moments. Yes. That when they work. They work fantastic. There right. was one Richie moment in this. I'm like, oh man, that worked great. What? Yeah, you can't, can't say. I can't say. This is a spoiler. Chair. Chair. Okay. 
that that was the oh, one okay. guy Richie moment. Okay. Like, oh, that actually worked really well. Yeah. Was that a spoiler without context? Was that what that was? I, I, well, I'm, I'm miming a lot of stuff. The yes. audience can't see this. Yes, it's a podcast, right? Fair. <laughs> I burned 800 calories <laughs> miming that just now. <laughs> but but well, yeah, I mean, I don't know if Guy Ritchie was necessarily the choice to direct a big musical. But I will I say, I like this better than King Arthur. And well, I, sure. I like and I'll also than, say, like, yeah. I, I really am, I'm, I'm really down the middle on this. It's really interesting because mm. knowing Guy Ritchie's other films and seeing the way that a couple, like, uh, One Jump, um, yeah. Friend Like Me, like, there's, there's certain numbers where I'm like, Maybe that maybe Guy Ritchie was the guy. I don't know. Like it, I, I'm really torn on it because I'm, again, like I said, it's better than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like it could have been stronger. I'm right down the middle on how on the on the musical numbers. I don't think you can use Friend Like Me as an example because that's more a page out of the animated. Out of the sure, but he's still got to bring it to life, and he's still got to be involved with how it looks and the colors and the one framing. jump to me felt more Guy Ritchie. Yeah. Okay, that's about one it. jump to me. I could see that. Um, to your point, I, I agree with you. I think Friend Like Me is a CG spectacular, and there mm-hmm. was a lot of people working on that. I think that one jump to me felt like a Guy Ritchie musical number. Okay, and, well, that, and that's one of the ones that I had issues with. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I can understand that. It does feel w- weird when it pops up, and then when it returns later. So you're like, okay. Um, but, but I, I get, you know, but I don't want to take anything away from Guy Ritchie because I think this is an interesting. I think this is an, a very difficult, uh, out of the box choice. I mean, I feel like for all of him. us, at the end of the day, yeah, what we're saying at the at the, the bottom line. Well, is, I tried to say, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't mean to interrupt you. Oh, really? But can I interrupt? Oh, really? Will you stop interrupting me while um, I'm interrupting you? But yes. like we all went, but like we all <laughs> thought we all were way more impressed than we thought we were going to be. That's what I'm getting yes. at. So I think Guy Ritchie deserves a little more credit than we thought. That's what I was trying to say. Is like Guy Ritchie. Oh, this is that is what a, you're trying to say? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> this is a monumental task for him to step out of his comfort zone uh, and and directs a musical, a Disney musical like this. And I thought he did a very capable job for a white. British director directing something that for there is one musical number in this movie, and yeah. again, we're doing a non-spoiler review, so I'm not going to say. But there is yeah. one musical number in this movie that is not in the animated movie. Yes, that actually was one of my favorite parts of the movie. There we go. So you have to give Guy Ritchie a little bit of credit. The uh, it's you it's it's just a dance number. Yeah, the chair, the chair. Oh my god, <laughs> I don't know the I'm chair. Kidding. The chair has multiple references, apparently. <laughs> oh my God, you should have seen the pursed lips. Do you just keep saying chair? <laughs> the audience may have heard your eye roll just Lam- now. <laughs> lamp? Lamp. <laughs> I want this lamp. Uh, all right, we should wrap up the uh, spoiler re- non-spoiler review there. Go see it. I, I would, say, I would say to everybody, like, here's, yeah, bottom line is. Jesus Christ. If you are, I love f- how you just interrupted me, me trying to say a bottom line, but go ahead, yes. Hey, John, why don't you bottom no, line No, you bottom line it. If you're a fan of the 90s Aladdin. Yeah. You should go see this movie and give it a chance and let us know what you think uh, on the Geek Buddies. Let us know. Uh, tweet at us or let us know what your thoughts are about it and if we maybe influenced you to go when you weren't going to go with our review. Oh, my God. No. Oh, right. So we, yeah. we had talked about right. earlier. Right. So I'm going to get to Because we weren't sure if okay. I was going to get into the screening, which is why I went on a run and I had to run a mile back to my house right. to get dressed you and did, get, you did, get you out did. here. Um, 
three wishes for the Aladdin movie. Yeah, you 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 pitched a segment to Mikey and I about in case you didn't get into the movie. Right. So we should still do the segment now to end the show. So so we have three we have three hosts and we have three yeah, wishes. Yeah. John, what is one of your wishes for the Aladdin movie? Uh, to be the host of the show. And not be inter- not to be interrupted all the time by the pseudo host of the show. Um, you, for the odd movie, what is I'm going to sit my martini over here and just pretend you didn't say that. I'm going to give you another wish. You, what, I'm going to give you another wish. What, you're you're going to sip me that, You're going to sip that empty glass because you've been nursed. Did you drink this whole thing? He did. He did. He drank, I wish he that I had another drink. <laughs> so your one wish for the Aladdin movie? No, um, like you mean now that I've seen it or before I went in there? Well, I mean, now. I mean, now that I've seen it. Yeah, now that you've seen it. What is your wish for the Aladdin? For movie? the Aladdin. For the Aladdin. Movie. Not to see in the Aladdin movie. Well, I mean, it could be for like okay. if you could change something. There's a lot of gray area. Yeah. Here. Well, as the genie said. <laughs> well, no, that's in the clip they've released. It's in the clip they released, so it's not a spoiler. You got to be specific. Um, I would like this to find an audience amongst people who weren't maybe necessarily sure they were going to go see it. So I'd like it to see it break 125 million opening weekend in a surprise. That's what I would like for this movie because it's an enjoyable, fun, happy movie, and we need that nowadays. That's Michael. one wish, Michael. What's your What's your wish? I wish for a better Jafar. That's fair. I uh, Jafar is a top five Disney villain of all time, and. As much as I enjoyed a lot of things about this movie that I wasn't expecting, um, I thought Jafar was fine, but I, mm. I wish I, I wish that there had been a stronger Jafar. I agree with you a thousand percent. I wonder. If, I think it's the writing. It's not the actor, in my opinion. All right, my wish. It was going to be John's wish. No, <laughs> which was which was yes. I hope that the promotional material does not turn off an audience mm-hmm. to this movie because the trailers did not sell this the way that they should have. Yeah. This is actually a really really great movie. It's a great movie for families to go see on like a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, and I imagine it's probably a really good date movie as well. Well, then let me change my wish. If you want to take that wish, I will say oh. I wish oh. you oh, change your wish now. <laughs> Oh, (laughs) I wish the genie to be free. No, I wish um, that executives and studios, if this film becomes successful, goes, oh, see, we don't have to worry about doing uh, films that are full of people of color or minorities in lead roles. People will still come to see it and enjoy it. And the film can make money as long as we write and direct a good movie. That's what's important. There are plenty of minority and uh, people of color actors, male and female, who are quite good, but don't get the opportunities to show their chops in movies as leads, and I think in big movies like this. So this would be... I would be encouraged by this if this is what happens. Well, then I'm going to change my wish because John got to change his wish, too. Oh, my God. I so the, so Jafar stays the same now. If you forget this wish, if you surrender this wish, Jafar stays. This in the is movie. a better wish than Jafar. So I would oh, so take Jafar, Jafar stays in the movie. I would take Jafar staying the same. Okay. If I can have this wish, because I agree with you yeah. a thousand percent. And even though I do think Guy Ritchie does deserve credit for the job that he did, mm. I also hope that if Aladdin does really well, which I actually genuinely hope it does now. Yeah. Um, I hope that people realize, studios, executives, everybody realize that. Uh, not only will people accept people on screen mm-hmm. um, being 
different than them or people of color or minorities, yeah. but that we should also have people behind the screens doing that as well. Like yeah. I think that like yeah. I think that like this is a great movie. Um the the woman sitting next to me in the theater tonight, mm-hmm. I asked her if she was excited for Aladdin or not, and uh she said My friend. My my friend, <laughs> who I never met before. Yeah. Um but she said this is the first movie that has had an entire lead cast of people that look like me that doesn't like paint them in a bad light. And I thought that was really interesting. And yeah. I thought that was really cool. And I think that we should have more people in front of the camera and behind the camera that reflect that. Thoroughly agree with that. And since we're all changing our wishes, okay. even though John's was the only one done for the right reason. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm going to wish that we can do a spoiler review of this next week. Uh, we might have to wait two weeks, but certainly we can negotiate whether we can do it next week. And we I should wish bring we on do a spoiler review eventually. Yeah, I like that. And I think we might have to get a phalanx of mics for that spoiler review to bring on Michael's crew of friends who are on this text chain and hear their thoughts about the movie because I think that would be fascinating. I mean, I'm always fascinated by what my friends think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I should correct that and say our friends. But I would certainly like those friends to come on the show, especially a a certain person who works, a certain George person who works. We should give him a shout out on the show. I think George's review would be funny. Um, All right. Well, that's our thoughts on Aladdin and our thoughts on Batman uh, Robert Pattinson and the idea that possibly it is going to be Bat, uh, I mean Catwoman, and uh, uh, the Penguin as villains here on the Geek Buddies. Hope you enjoyed this particular episode. Like I said earlier, hope you enjoyed our Game of Thrones episode. And if you haven't listened to that yet, maybe you finally caught up and watched the show, and you want to go back and listen to our episode. Do that. Also, our episodes from the last few weeks. We've really uh, enjoyed the responses. So if you're just discovering us now, go back and listen to those episodes. They're kind of almost evergreen episodes, and you can enjoy them on their own. Way to go there, drunkie. Uh, And the second thing is this. Um, Please remember, and I want to encourage you all as fans of the show, as becoming fans of the show, go on iTunes, go wherever you listen to this podcast and give us some ratings, comments, um, and uh, reviews because those... The more the more we get of those, they push us up into be noticed by other people, and they push us up in the rankings, and people might download and discover us for the first time. So please, if you've never left a review or a rating or a comment, do that wherever you download the podcast. Do it Bye. right now. Yeah, do it right now, especially on iTunes. Please. Go ahead. Boys, uh, what do you want to say there to end the show? Well, yeah, you can. F- uh, this is Shannon McClung. You can follow me on Twitter at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram because John Roca made me uh, Shannon the Geek Buddy. And if you would go to my Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash Shannon McClung fan page and give it a like, my representation would love you. Uh, and I am at MK Tune on both Twitter and Instagram. And uh, hey, I can show you. Uh, I can show you the world. Shining, <laughs> shimmering, splendid. Tell me. Tell me, fans. Now, when did you last let your heart decide? And you can see Michael's My Little Pony, right? You live tweet it every Saturday? Is I live right? tweet it most Saturdays. Uh, my, my, my latest episode of My Little Pony aired last weekend. Okay. Which is called? Um, Frenemies. Okay. Part of season nine, the final season of My Little Pony. It feels funny. Um, I have some other episodes coming up, and uh, I have some other things in the works. Yeah. So follow him on Twitter, and if you have... 
uh, Children Who Into My Little Pony, this man is, is responsible for some let's of the... Let's talk Pinkie the... Pie. Let's talk Rainbow Dash. There I'm ready. Go. Let's do it. Give him some love. Uh, you can follow me at The Roca Says on Twitter and on Instagram. You can follow us uh, on Twitter at geek underscore buddies. And I think uh, on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies there. Follow us. We post a lot of time. Michael does a lot of, a great job on the Twitter posting funny ass memes and uh, funny things there to follow and talk about and up to date, uh, keep you up to date on things we're doing. Um, Subscribe, review, and please, for the love of God, retweet this. Put it out on your social media. Bring people into our uh, sphere so they can be your buddy and our buddy. And we'll all be... We need more buddies. We need more buddies. That's how it works. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Geek Buddies this week. I'm John Roca. And for as the Geek Buddies, we say... Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.